Act Three of The Night of the Burning Pestle by Francis Beaumont and John Fletcher. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Third. Scene One. Waltham Forest. Enter Jasper and Luce. Come, my dear, dear. Though we have lost our way, we have not lost ourselves. Are you not weary with this night's wandering? broken from your rest, and frightened with the terror that attends the darkness of this wild, unpeopled place. No, my best friend. I cannot either fear or entertain a weary thought, whilst you, the end of all my full desires, stand by me. Let them that lose their hopes and live to languish among the numbers of forsaken lovers tell the long, weary steps and number time, start at a shadow and shrink up their blood, whilst I, possessed with all content and quiet, Thus take my pretty love, and thus embrace him. You have caught me, Luce, so fast that whilst I live, I shall become your faithful prisoner and wear these chains forever. Come sit down, and rest your body too, too delicate for these disturbances. They sit down. So, will you sleep? Come, do not be more able than you are. I know you are not skilful in these watches, for women are no soldiers. Be not nice, but take it. Sleep, I say. I cannot sleep. Indeed, I cannot, friend. Why, then, we'll sing, and try how that will work upon our senses. I'll sing, or say, or anything but sleep. Come, little mermaid. Rob me of my heart with that enchanting voice. <laughs> you mock me, Jasper. Tell me, dearest, what is love? Tis a lightning from above. "'Tis an arrow, tis a fire, tis a boy they call desire, tis a smile doth beguile. "'The poor hearts of men that prove, tell me more, are women true? "'Some love change, and so do you. "'Are they fair and never kind? "'Yes, when men turn to the wind. "'Are they froward? "'Ever toward, those that love to love anew. "'Dissemble it no more.' I see the god of heavy sleep lay on his heavy mace upon your eyelids. I am very heavy. Sleeps. Sleep, sleep, and quiet breast crown thy sweet thoughts. Keep from her fair blood, distempers, startings, horrors and fearful shapes. Let all her dreams be joys and chaste delights, embraces, wishes, in such new pleasures as the ravished soul gives to the senses. So my charms have took. Keep her, you powers divine, whilst I contemplate upon the wealth and beauty of her mind. She is only fair and constant, only kind, and only to thee, Jasper. Oh, my joys, whither will you transport me? Let not fullness of my poor buried hopes come up together and overcharge my spirits. I am weak. Some say, however ill, the sea and women are governed by the moon. Both ebb and flow, both full of changes. Yet to them that know and truly judge, these but opinions are, and heresies to bring on a pleasing war between our tempers, that without these we're both void of afterlove and present fear, which are the best of Cupid. O oh, thou child! from despair. I dare not entertain thee, having a love without the faults of women, and greater in her perfect goods than men. 
which to make good and please myself the stronger, though certainly I am certain of her love, I'll try her, that the world and memory may sing to aftertimes her constancy. Draws his sword. Loose, loose, awake! Why do you fright me, friend, with those distempered looks? What makes your sword drawn in your hand? Who hath offended you? I prithee, Jasper, sleep. Thou art wild with watching. Come, make your way to heaven, and bid the world, with all the villainies that stick upon it, farewell. You're for another life. Oh, Jasper, how have my tender years committed evil, especially against the man I love, thus to be cropped untimely? Foolish girl, couldst thou imagine I could love his daughter that flung me from my fortune into nothing, discharged me his service, shut the doors upon my poverty, and scorned my prayers, sending me like a boat without a mast, to sink or swim? Come, by this hand you die. I must have life and blood to satisfy your father's wrongs. Away, George, away! Rise the watcher at Ludgate, and bring a mitimus from the justice for this desperate villain. Now, I charge you, gentlemen, see the king's peace kept. Oh, my art, what a vile is this, to offer men slaughter upon the armless gentlewoman. I warn thee, sweetheart, we'll have him hampered. Oh, Jasper, be not cruel. If thou wilt kill me, smile and do it quickly. And let not many deaths appear before me. I am a woman made of fear and love, a weak, weak woman. Kill not with thy eyes, they shoot me through and through. Strike, I am ready, and dying will still love thee. Enter Venture Well, Humphrey, and attendants. Whereabouts? Aside. No more of this. Now, to myself again. There, there he stands with sword like martial knight drawn in his hand. Therefore beware the fight, you that be wise. For were I good Sir Beavis, I would not stay his coming by your leaves. Sarah, restore my daughter. Sarah, no. Upon him, then. They attack Jasper and force loose from him. So, down with him, down with him, down with him. Cut him in the leg, boys, cut him in the leg. Come your ways, minion. I'll provide a cage for you. You're grown so tame. Horse her away. Truly, I'm glad your forces have the day. Exhort all except Jasper. They are gone, and I am hurt. My love is lost, never to get again. Oh, me, unhappy. Bleed, bleed and die I cannot. Oh, my folly, thou hast betrayed me. Hope, where art thou fled? Tell me if thou beest anywhere remaining, shall I but see my love again? Oh, no. She will not deign to look upon her butcher, nor is it fit she should. Then I must venture. Oh, chance, or fortune, or whatever thou art that men adore for powerful, hear my cry, and let me loving live, or losing die. Exit. Is he gone, George? Aye, Coney. Marry, and let him go, sweetheart. By the faith of my body, he has put me into such a fright that I tremble, as they say, as twere an espen leaf. Look at my little finger, George, how it shakes. Now, in truth, every member of my body is the worst for it. Come. Hug in mine arms, sweet mouse. He shall not fright thee any more, unless mine own dear heart, how it quivers. Scene two. 
A Room in the Bell Inn, Waltham. Enter Mistress Merrythought, Rafe, Michael, Tim, George, Host, and Tapster. Oh, Rafe! How does thou, Rafe? How hast thou slept tonight? Has the night used thee well? Peace now. Let Rafe alone. Master, the reckoning is not paid. Right, courteous knight, who, for the order's sake which thou hast tain, hangst out the holy bell, as I this flaming pestle bear about, we render thanks to your puissant self, your beauteous lady, and your gentle squires, for thus refreshing of our wearied limbs, stiffened with hard achievements in wild desert. Sir, there is twelve shillings to pay. Thou merry squire taps, dero, thanks to thee for comforting our souls with double jug, and if adventurous fortune prick thee forth, thou jovial squire, to follow feats of arms, take heed, thou tender every lady's calls, every true knight, and every damsel fair, but spill the blood of treacherous Saracens and false enchanters, that with magic spells have done to death full many a noble knight. Thou valiant knight of the burning pestle, give ear to me. There's twelve shillings to pay, and, as I am a true knight, I will not bait a penny. George, I prithee, tell me, must Rafe pay twelve shillings now? No, no, no. Nothing but the old knight is merry with Rafe. Oh, it's nothing else. Rafe will be as merry as he. Sir Knight, this mirth of yours becomes you well. But to require this liberal courtesy, if any of your squires will follow arms, he shall receive from my heroic end a knighthood by the virtue of this pestle. Fair knight, I thank you for your noble offer. Therefore, gentle knight, twelve shillings you must pay, or I must cap you. Look, George, did not I tell thee as much? The knight of the bell is in earnest. Rafe should not be beholding to him. Give him his money, George, and let him go snick up. Cap Rafe? No. Hold your hand, sir, knight of the bell. There's your money. Give us money. Have you anything to say to Rafe now? Cap Rafe. I would you should know it. Rafe has friends that will not suffer him to be capped for ten times so much, and ten times to the end of that. Now, take thy course, Rafe. Come, Michael. Thou and I will go home to thy father. He has enough left to keep us a day or two, and we'll set fellows abroad to cry our purse and our casket. Shall we, Michael? Ay, I pray, mother. In truth, my feet are full of chilblains with travelling. Faith, and those chilblains are a foul trouble. Mistress Mary thought, when your youth comes home, let him rub all the soles of his feet and his heels and his ankles with a mouse skin. Or, if none of your people can catch a mouse... When he goes to bed, let him roll his feet in the warm embers, and I warrant you he shall be well. And you may make him put his fingers between his toes and smell to them. It's very sovereign for his head, if he be costive. Master Knight of the Burning Pestle, my son Michael and I bid you farewell. I thank your worship heartily for your kindness. Farewell, fair lady, and your tender squire. If pricking through these deserts I do hear of any traitorous knight who, through his guile, hath light upon your casket and your purse, I will despoil him of them and restore them. I thank your worship. Exit with Michael. Dwarf, bear my shield. Squire, elevate my lance. And now, farewell, you knight of the holy bell. Aye, aye, Rafe, all is paid. But yet 
Before I go, speak, worthy knight, if aught you do of sad adventures know, where errant knights may through his prowess win eternal fame, and free some gentle souls from endless bonds of steel and lingering pain. Sirrah, go to Nick the barber, and bid him prepare himself, as I told you before, quickly. I am gone, sir. Exit. Sir Knight, this wilderness affordeth none but the great venture, where full many a knight hath tried his prowess, and come off with shame, and where I would not have you lose your life against no man but furious fiend of hell. Oh, speak on, Sir Knight. Tell what he is and where. For here I vow upon my blazing badge never to blaze a day in quietness, but bread and water will I only eat, and a green herb and rock shall be my catch, till I have quelled that man, or beast, or fiend, that works such damage to all errant knights. Not far from hence, near to a craggy cliff, at the north end of this distressed town, there doth stand a lowly house, ruggedly builded, and in it a cave, in which an ugly giant now doth one, yclept Barbarossa. In his hand he shakes a naked lance of purest steel, with sleeves turned up, and him before he wears a motley garment to preserve his clothes from blood of those knights which he massacres, and ladies gent. Without his door doth hang a copper basin on a prickant spear, at which no sooner gentle knights can knock, but the shrill sound fierce Barbarossa hears, and rushing forth brings in the errant knight and sets him down in an enchanted chair. Then, with an engine which he hath prepared, with forty teeth he claws his courtly crown. Next makes him wink, and underneath his chin he plants a brazen piece of mighty board, and knocks his bullets round about his cheeks. Whilst with his fingers, and an instrument with which he snaps his hair off, he doth fill the wretch's ears with a most hideous noise. Thus every night adventurer he doth trim and now no creature dares encounters him. In God's name I will fight with him, kind sir. Go but before me to this dismal cave where this huge giant Barbarosso dwells, and by that virtue that brave Rosso clear, that damned brood of ugly giants slew, and Palmerin, friend Marco, overthrew. I doubt not but to curb this traitor foul and to the devil send his guilty soul. Brave sprite at night, thus far I will perform this, your request. I'll bring you within sight of this most loathsome place, inhabited by a more loathsome man. But dare not stay, for his main force swoops all he sees away. St. George, set on before, march, squire, and page. Exeunt. George. Dost think Rafe will confound the giants? I hold my cap to a farthing he does. Why now? I saw him wrestle with the great Dutchman and hurl him. Faith, and that Dutchman was a goodly man, if all things were answerable to his bigness. And yet they say there was a Scotchman higher than he, and that they two and a knight met and saw one another for nothing. But of all the sights that ever were in London since I were married, methinks the little child that was so far grown about the members was the prettiest. That and the hermaphrodite. 
Nay, by our leave now, Nineveh was better. Nineveh? Oh, that was a story of Joan in the wall, was it not, George? Yes, Lamb. Scene 3. The street before Marythought's house. Enter Mrs. Marythought. Look, George, here comes Mistress Marythought again. And I would have Rafe come and fight with the giant. I tell you true, I long to see it. Good Mistress Marythought, be gone, I pray you, for my sake. I pray you forbear a little, and you shall have audience presently. I have a little business. Mistress Marythought, if it please you to refrain your passion a little, till Rafe has dispatched the giant out of the way, we shall think ourselves much bound to you. Exit, Mrs Marythought. I thank you, good Mistress Marythought. Boy, come hither. Enter boy. Send away Rafe and this wholesome giant quickly. In good faith, sir, we cannot. You'll utterly spoil our play and make it to be hissed. And it costs money. You will not suffer us to go on with our plot. I pray, gentlemen, rule him. Let him come now and dispatch this, and I'll trouble you no more. Will you give me your hand of that? Give him thy hand, George. Do, and I'll kiss him. I warrant thee, the youth means plainly. I will send him to you presently. Wife, kissing him. I thank you, little youth. Exit, boy. Faith, the child hath a sweet breath, George, but I think it be trouble with the worms. Cardus Benedictus and mare's milk were the only thing in the world for it. Scene 4. Before the barber shop, Waltham. Enter Rafe, Host, Tim and George. Oh, Rafe's here, George. God send thee good luck, Rafe. Recent night, yonder his mansion is, lo, where the spare and copper basin are. Behold that string on which hangs many a tooth drawn from the gentle jaw of wandering knights. I dare not stay to sound. He will appear. Exit. Oh, faint not, heart. Susan, my lady dear, the cobbler's maid in Milk Street, for whose sake I take these arms, I'll let the thought of thee carry thy knight through all adventurous deeds, and in the honour of thy beauteous self, may I destroy this monster, Barbarosso. Knock, squire, upon the basin till it break, with the shrill strokes or till the giant spake. Tim knocks on the basin. Enter Barber. Oh, George, the giant, the giant! Now, Rafe, for thy life! What fond undoing white is this? The dare so rudely knock at Barbarossa's cell, where no man comes but leaves his fleece behind. Aye, traitorous caitiff, who am sent by fate to punish all the sad enormities thou hast committed against ladies gentle and errant knights, traitor to God and men. Prepare thyself, this is the dismal hour appointed for thee to give strict account of all thy beastly treacherous villainies. Foolhardy knight, full soon thou shalt abide this fond reproach, thy body will I bang. Takes down his pole. And lo, upon that string thy teeth shall hang. Prepare thyself, for dead soon shalt thou be. St. George for me. They fight. Gargantua for me. To him, Rafe, to him. Hold up the giant. Set out thy leg before Rafe. Falsify a blow, Rafe. Falsify a blow. The giant lies open on the left side. Bear off. Bear off still. There, boy. Oh, Rafe's almost down. Rafe's almost down. Susan, inspire me. Now, 
Have up again. Up, 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 up! So, Rife, down with him, down with him, Rife! Fetch him over the hip, boy! Rafe knocks down the barber. There, boy! Kill, 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 Rafe! No, Rafe! Get all out of him first! Oh, presumptuous man! See to what desperate end thy treachery hath brought thee! The just gods who never prosper those that do despise them, for all the villainies which thou hast done to knights and ladies, now have paid thee home by my stiff arm, a knight adventurous. <sighs> but say, vile wretch, before I send thy soul to sad Avernus, whither it must go, what captives holdst thou in thy sable cave? Call him, and free them all, thou hast the day. Go, squire and dwarf, search in this dreadful cave, and free the wretched prisoners from their bonds. Exant Tim and George. I crave for mercy, as thou art a knight, and scornst to spill the blood of those that beg. Thou showest no mercy, nor shalt thou have any. Prepare thyself, for thou shalt surely die. Re-enter Tim, leading a man winking, with a basin under his chin. Behold, brave knight, here is one prisoner, whom this vile man hath used as you see. This is the first wise word I heard the squire speak. Speak what thou art and how thou hast been used, that I may give him condign punishment. I am a knight that took my journey post northward from London, and in courteous wise this giant trained me to his loathsome den, under pretense of killing of the itch, and all my body with a powder strewed that smarts and stings, and cut away my beard, and my curled locks wherein were ribbons tied and with the water washed my tender eyes, whilst up and down about me still he skipped, whose virtue is that, till my eyes be wiped with a dry cloth, for this my foul disgrace, I shall not dare to look a dog in the face. Alas, poor knight, relieve him, Rafe, relieve poor knights whilst you live. My trusty squire, convey him to the tan, where he may find relief. Adieu, fair knight. Exant man with Tim, who presently re-enters. Re-enter George, leading a second man, with a patch over his nose. Puissant knight of the burning pestle height, see here another wretch whom this foul beast hath scotched and scored in this inhuman wise. Speak me thy name, and eke thy place of birth, and what hath been thy usage in this cave. I am a knight, Sir Puckle is my name, and by my birth I am a Londoner, free by my copy, but my ancestors were Frenchmen all, and riding hard this way upon a trotting horse, my bones did ache, and I, faint knight, to ease my weary limbs, light at this cave, when straight this furious fiend with sharpest instrument and purest steel did cut the gristle of my nose away, and in the place this velvet plaster stands, relieve me, gentle knight, out of his hands. Good Rife, relieve Sir Pockhole and send him away, for in truth his breath stinks. Convey him straight to the other knight. Sir Pockhole, fare you well. Kind sir, good night. Exit with George, who presently re-enters. Third man, within. Deliverance! 
cries within woman within deliver us oh george what a woeful cry there is i think some woman lies in there deliver us what a ghastly noise is this speak barbarosso or by this blazing steel thy head goes off business of mine whom i in diet keep send lower down into the cave and in a tub that's heated smoking hot there may they find them and deliver them run squire and dwarf deliver them with speed exeunt tim and george but will not rafe kill this giant surely i am afraid if he let him go he will do as much hurt as he ever did not so mouse neither if he can convert him ay george if he could convert him but a giant is not so soon converted as one of us ordinary people. There's a pretty tale of a witch that had the devil's mark about her, God bless us, that had a giant to her son that was called Lob Lie by the Fire. Didst thou never hear it, George? Peace, Nell. It comes to prisoners. Re-enter Tim, leading a third man, with a glass of lotion in his hand, and George leading a woman, with a diet bread and drink in her hand. Here be these pined wretches, manful knight that for this six weeks have not seen a white. Deliver what you are, and how you came to this sad cave, and what your usage was. I am an errant knight that followed arms with spear and shield, and in my tender years I was stricken with Cupid's fiery shaft, and fell in love with this my lady dear, and stole her from her friends in Turnbull Street, and bore her up and down from town to town, where we did eat and drink and music here, till at the length at this unhappy town we did arrive, and coming to this cave, this beast us caught, and put us in a tub, where we this two months sweat, and should have done another month, if you had not relieved us. This bread and water hath our diet been, together with the rib cut from a neck of burned mutton, Hard hath been our fare. Release us from this ugly giant's snare. This hath been all the food we have received, but only twice a day for novelty. He gave a spoonful of this hearty broth to each of us through this same slender quill. Pulls out his wrench. From this infernal monster you shall go, that useth knights and gentle ladies so. Convey them hence. Third man and woman are led off by Tim and George, who presently re-enter. Coney, I can tell thee, the gentlemen like Rafe. Aye, George, I see it well enough. Gentlemen, I thank you all heartily for gracing my man Rafe, and I promise you, you shall see him oftener. Mercy, great knight. I do recant my ill, and henceforth never gentle blood will spill. I give thee mercy. But yet shalt thou swear upon my burning pestle to perform thy promise uttered. I swear and kiss. Kisses the pestle. Depart then, and amend. Exit Barber. Come, squire and dwarf, the sun grows towards his set, and we have many more adventures yet. Exeunt. Now Rafe is in this humour, I know he would have beaten all the boys in the house. If they had been set on him. Aye, George, but it is well as it is. I warrant you the gentlemen do consider what it is to overthrow a giant. Scene 5. The street before Mary Thought's house. 
Enter Mistress Merrythought and Michael. But look, George, here comes Mistress Merrythought and her son Michael. Now you are welcome, Mistress Merrythought. Now Rife has done, you may go on. Mick, my boy. I forsooth, mother. Be merry, Mick. We are at home now, where, I warrant you, you shall find the house flung out of the windows. Music within. Hark. Hey, dogs, hey. This is the old world in faith with my husband. If I get in among them, I'll play them such a lesson that they shall have little list to come scraping hither again. Why, Master Merrythought. Husband, Charles Merrythought. Merrythought, appearing above and singing. If you will sing and dance and laugh and ho 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 lo ho 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 and laugh again and then cry there boys there why there one two three and four we shall be merry within this house. Why, Charles, do you not know your own natural wife? I say, open the door and turn me out those mangy companions. Tis more than time that they were fellow and fellow-like with you. You are a gentleman, Charles, and an old man, and father of two children, and I myself, though I say it, by my mother's sight, niece to a worshipful gentleman and a conductor. He has been three times in His Majesty's service at Chester, and is now the fourth time, God bless him and his charge, upon his journey." Go from my window, love, go. Go from my window, my dear. The wind and the rain will drive you back again. You cannot be lodged here. Hark you, Mistress Merrythought, you that walk upon adventures and forsake your husband, because he sings with never a penny in his purse? What, shall I think myself the worse? Faith, no, I'll be merry. You come not here. Here's none but lads of metal, lives of a hundred years and upwards. Care never drunk their bloods, nor want made them warble, hi-ho, my heart is heavy. Why, Master Merrythought, what am I that you should laugh me to scorn thus abruptly? Am I not your fellow-feeler, as we may say, in all our miseries, your comforter in health and sickness? Have I not brought you children? Are they not like you, Charles? Look upon thine own image, hard-hearted man, and yet for all this... Be gone, be gone, my joggy, my poggy, be gone, my love, my dear. The weather is warm, twill do thee no harm. Thou canst not be lodged here. Be merry, boys, some light music and more wine. Exit above. He's not in earnest, I hope, George, is he? What if he be, sweetheart? Harry, if he be, George, I'll make bold to tell him he's an ingrant old man to use his bedfellow so scurvily. What? How does he use her, honey? Marry, come up, sir, saucebox. I think you'll take his part, will you not? Lord, how hot you have grown. You are a fine man, and you had a fine dog. It becomes you sweetly. Nay, prithee now, chide not. For, as I am an honest man, and a true Christian grocer, 
I do not like his doings. I cry you mercy then, George. You know we are all frail and full of infirmities. Do you hear, Master Merrythought? May I crave a word with you? Merrythought, appearing above. Strike up lively, lads. I had not thought, in truth, Master Merrythought, that a man of your age and discretion, as I may say, being a gentleman, and therefore known by your gentle conditions, could have used so little respect to the weakness of his wife, for your wife is your own flesh, the staff of your age, your yoke fellow, with whose help you draw through the maw of this transitory world. Nay, she's your own rib, and again... I came not hither for thee to teach, I have no pulpit for thee to preach, I would thou had kissed me under the breach, as thou art a lady gay. Marry with a vengeance! I am heartily sorry for the poor gentlewoman, but if I were thy wife, his faith grey be as his faith. I prithee, sweet honeysuckle, be content. Give me such word that am a gentlewoman born. Hang him, hoary rascal! Give me some drink, George. I am almost molten with fretting. Now beshrew his knave's heart for it. Exit citizen. Play me a light la volta. Come, be frolic. Fill the good fellow's wine. Why, Master Merrythought, are you disposed to make me wait here? You'll open, I hope. I'll fetch them that shall open else. Good woman, if you will sing, I'll give you something. If not... You are no love for me, Margaret. I am no love for you. Come aloft, boys, aloft. Exit above. Now a churl's fart in your teeth, sir. Come, Mick. We'll not trouble him. He shall not ding us in the teeth with his bread and his broth. That he shall not. Come, boy, I'll provide for thee, I warrant thee. We'll go to Master Venturewell's, the merchant. I'll get his letter to mine host of the bell in Waltham. There I'll place thee with the tapster. Will not that do well for thee, Mick? And let me alone for that old cuckoldy knave, your father. I'll use him in his kind eye, warrant ye. Exaunt. Re-enter citizen with bear. Come, George, where's the beer? Here, love. This old fornicating fellow will not out of my mind yet. Gentlemen, I'll begin to you all, and I desire more of your acquaintance with all my art. Drinks. Fill the gentleman some beer, George. Enter boy. Look, George, the little boy's come again. Methinks he looks something like the Prince of Orange in his long stocking, if he had a little harness about his neck. George, I will have him dance fading. Fading is a fine jig, I'll assure you, gentlemen. Begin, brother. Boy dances. Now he capers, sweetheart. Now a turn of the toe, and then tumble. Cannot you tumble, youth? No, indeed, forsooth. Nor eat fire? Neither. Why then, I thank you heartily. There's a tuppence to buy your points withal. End of Act 3